Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at DTCPod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. As a D2C brand, you need real-time financial visibility to save money and make better decisions. Waiting for books from slow and expensive bookkeepers that don't get e-commerce is slowing you down. Trusted by hundreds of brands, FinalLoop is a real-time accounting service built by D2C founders for D2C founders. Try FinalLoop completely free, no credit card required. Just visit finalloop.com slash D2C pod and get 14 days free and a two-month P&L within 24 hours with all the e-com data and breakdowns you need to crush it. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we have Izzy from Shipline on. So Izzy, uh, why don't you kick us off? Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into the world of e-commerce, shipping, and fulfillment. Blaine, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I so, so, so appreciate it. And to anyone who's listening, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. And I hope to uh, make good use of your time. Um, so just to kind of jump into my background, um, I'm a 28-year-old guy from New York um, who I was reading an article on shipping costs in Ink Magazine about 10 years ago in my senior year in high school. Uh, as my father likes to say, would come up with a business idea a day. And I kind of read the concept that you can reduce, you know, and help companies and businesses save money at shipping. And I kind of thought, why not me? Um, so not really a great Harvard thesis there. Um, and it started cutting, you know, my evolution into the, the shipping space. Um, and Originally, we started kind of working on a service, helping companies get refunds for when shipments became, you know, were delivered late. Um, FedEx and UPS offer guaranteed services. That's changed quite a bit during COVID. Um, and that, you know, it doesn't, that businesses, you know, does that completely exist in the, in the current forum today? You know, some level of it does. But um, over the years, we kind of realized, you know, I, I started a business cold calling in a, in, you know, in a door room. Uh, we kind of realized as we, you know, built up our client base and built up a book of business, um, that shipping is just so unique, and, and especially in the e-commerce world, the world that we we began to live in, um, is that you can have two customers, both sell shoes online, um, both shipping about 100,000 packages a year, very, very similar profile. And when we were helping them get refunds on their packages, we kind of noticed that, hey, one of them spends about a million bucks a year, the other one spends 1.4. And we said, that's strange. Um, and we kind of dove in a little bit, you know, or a lot, you know, a lot a bit deeper, uh, I realized that um, the, the the key difference between you know two companies or, or many companies is a contract that governs the relationship with their carrier, with you know primarily in our world the FedEx and UPS, um, and that kind of you know brought us down this path where we our business and our you know current form for the last six seven years exists to help businesses optimize and renegotiate their shipping contracts with their carrier. So um, that's that's kind of you know. What, what we do, um, we've been so fortunate to learn from a lot of the leaders, you know, kind of the current leaders in the e-commerce world, 
we feel like we've grown up with them. E-commerce is young. We're, we're quite young and it's been a fun 10 years. So that, that's kind of how we got into it. Awesome. And so one thing I'd love to just kind of like set the stage here is if you're an e-com brand, like what do you need to know about shipping, right? Like you were saying, there's a, a bunch of different ways to be able to get refunds and ways to be thinking about how you're getting set up. So like what's being refunded, what's getting messed up, where is this sure. money coming from and why is there disparity across different, different, um, great, great question. So, so yeah, great question. Awesome question. So where we live today for the last seven years is not on the refund side. That's, that's maybe once two percent ship has come late. Most contracts do not allow you to kind of recoup refunds during COVID. They paused quite a bit of that. Uh, we exist largely, I would say 99% of our revenue is contract driven. We're kind of well, what somebody needs to know is when you kind of what you pay for shipping is governed by the, the piece of paper that governs your relationship with your carrier. And so, so when someone approaches shipping, that piece of paper is critical. And that, that piece of paper is going to determine, you know, at some level, your margin. The average e com customer, well, we've spoken and we constantly speak with our clients, the average e commerce customer is. Um, shipping, you know, shipping costs as a percentage of, of revenue is about 10%. So if you can move the needle on that from the EBITDA perspective, that can really, really impact your bottom line. So, kind of, you know, from where, where we sit today, kind of broadly speaking, is kind of we look at it as, hey, it's when you look at shipping and kind of, I think, a unique challenge that every shipper faces, it's if you go into the grocery store today, I go into the grocery store today to buy a bottle of milk, super simple transaction. You have a couple of different brands. You may prefer one over the other, you know, you know, um, more cream, less cream, just kind of that's your preference and you know what you're paying for. Um, shipping is, there's, a, a, you know, a vast, you know, vast options and kind of from a service perspective that you have. And also the pricing is very opaque. And it's, it's, it's so kind of what we've kind of high level, what we've built is a large data set, deep benchmarks for about CBS employees that we currently work with, um, as well as real time live negotiations as the market changes. But uh, so kind of taking it from the top, if I was an e-commerce shipper kind of new to the market, because uh, kind of, that's probably the direct answer to your question, is kind of, A, are you at the point where shipping is a, a major line item for you? Like that's that's like step one. If you're spending five ten thousand dollars a year, I'd focus on growing your business, not reducing costs and not managing that cost. Like that's just not not going to be meaningful um, for, you know, for, for you or for anybody else in your organization. I think kind of, you know, kind of been digging a little bit deeper than that. The way we think about it is this piece of paper is so unique and whether it's, you know, and the reason why I believe whether with a firm like ours or on your own, any e-commerce business would be foolish not to focus on this piece of paper is we've asked our customers, hey, if you want to reduce your logistics cost, your cost by 10% in your, or kind of cost across the board in your organization on the area that's a 10% impact for your organization, um, you can lower people's salaries. You can try to make your employees more efficient. That takes a whole lot of work here. It's take that piece of paper and negotiate the heck out of it. And, and try to achieve a you know, you know, a net positive outcome. So I think another key kind of critical point, and I think as people enter e-commerce, grow in e-commerce, and their businesses grow, is if you work with a small accounting firm for your e-commerce business, and you're the lowest paying customer, it's going to impact the service you get. The beautiful thing about being in the world of FedEx, UPS, DHL, USPS is they route your shipments based on the service you paid for, not the price you paid for for it. So the deeper discount you get does not impact the service you're going to kind of receive. So we always say that it's one of those unique areas that, hey, you can drive a lot of savings and you know, like once those negotiations are as uncomfortable as they, they can or may be, um, when that's completed, you're golden. It's, it will not impact your service. And I think kind of 
the way we look at it, like if, you know, the broad statement is, you know, the, the only cost of life is death and taxes. Uh, when you're in e-commerce, it's customer acquisition and the cost of getting that product to your customer. So if we know those two things that exist, they're not going to change, not today, not ever. Um, and so I, I, you know, I think at a high level, like those are like the way we frame it. And then kind of speaking of, you know, at a high level for a moment, I think is if I was starting out, I think many organizations make this mistake is sometimes they'll align with a FedEx or with the UBS or with the USBS and build their software and their infrastructure around one carrier. Part of your leverage is your ability to move and that your ability to change. And, and so if a FedEx, a UPS, a USBS knows that your system is built for them and them only, and it will cost you a million dollars to change, you have no leverage in that conversation. So if I was starting out in e-commerce, I'd make sure to give myself flexibility and optionality. Optionality equals lower cost, like in the long run. So that's my high level thoughts kind of going into that. So what is the kind of infrastructure you need as a brand getting set up, right? Like, so imagine, you know, I just start a brand and I'm sure a lot of brands start where they have their first PO, they've got maybe either a small little warehouse or out of their apartment and they're, they're like just trying to get, uh, acquainted with the world of shipping. Like where do they go? What are the options? And then what are the kind of like things that they need to do or have in place once their volume starts to pick up where it starts becoming relevant to like you were saying, know what's in these contracts, know what service you're getting, et cetera. So if you could just walk us kind of like through that little workflow. Yes, but totally. I will say the irony of that question is you're asking a man with the, the most shipping I do is my wife's returns <laughs> because we run a consulting group. Uh, but yes, this is what we do all day, every day. So uh, it kind of, it kind of starting out, I think there's, you know, you're a Google search away. There's many kind of smaller companies, Shippo, Easy Ship, Pirate Ship, like that kind of have um, rates that they've kind of, they qualify resell and you can use with those, you know, with their software. So obviously you need the ability to print labels, you need the ability to execute their shipments. So when a company's stunning away, you're spending $10,000, you're not negotiating with that CBS. They're not, you know, you can sign up for an account. What we recommend, sign up for an account, sign up for that online account. Sometimes you will get a rep on the phone. Sometimes you get a rep to come down and visit you, depending on your volume, your size, and kind of, kind of your trajectory, um, but kind of, and we always take that step, go meet with them. Sometimes you get surprised and, and FedEx CBS are focusing on growing their mid, small, mid-sized, you know, customer base. That's it. That's a huge focus. You know, you, you don't have to hear that from me. Listen to their earnings calls. That's, that's public information that they're, they're chasing that. So I think, you know, starting your, you know, build out your account. I think kind of what we see in early innings for many brands is 3PL, no 3PL. Like, do I go the 3PL route or I not go the 3PL route? Those are like things. I know sometimes we deal with the companies that are, are maturing that come to us with, hey, we're in a 3PL, now we have an issue. But I think early innings is, hey, do you have the infrastructure to fulfill that PL? Um, kind of what does that infrastructure look like? Do you have the employees to do that? So I think early, early innings starting out, A, you can create an account online, B, you can use one of the resellers, um, C, make sure you you know, you know have a software to track, manage it, and rate shop um, to, to select the lowest cost carrier. Um, and, and the tools that are out there, it's just, the, the, you know, versus... 15 years ago, the industry is obviously matured and, and one sh has the ability to easily kind of get, get a good enough rate to transact and to do business and to start growing. I will say the way we think about it as a business is when you're a young child, you can get the, you know, and you're one year's, years one to years two, typically you can get a one-year-old's, you know, outfit and that works from years one to two. When you're six foot five and kind of your business is shifting and growing, you may need to go for that custom suit. So as you grow, as your business evolves, your needs change and there's massive benefit 
and having a customized agreement many times. So kind of at a high level from a 3PL perspective, AV can help you free up your time. Um, and so you're focusing on growing your e-commerce sales. Um, and, and, you know, manage, you know, warehousing employees. That's not easy. We all know that. Um, and, and, and you can leverage their volume. I think what we've seen with e-commerce companies that are maturing is a sometimes just because someone has more volume than you, you've leveraged their volume to get better pricing to start. If you're shipping a unique box type in the future, that that may not be a good fit for you. And and other you know another common issue that we run into is three PL number one or three PL A is not performing well. You're exploring B and C and D. A you don't own your data because you're using their accounts. B you have no idea how much they're marking up your shipping. Um, and C, you don't have the flexibility and optionality, or it's a couple of steps removed to get set up with a carrier. Um, and then sometimes carrier A does not want to tick off large 3PL A and kind of uh, award you a contract. We've seen that a few times with some of the larger accounts. So I think, you know, you know, kind of starting out, I think there's there's endless opportunity, you know, there's endless information outline. There's, um, there's many options that exist. I, I think they're, you know, they're, all good to getting started. I think as a company grows is when you run into kind of, I, I, when I kind of put it into actual words, I think when you're zero to 50,000, zero to 100,000, you have less leverage. You, it may benefit you to leverage a reseller. It may benefit you to get an SMB account where you get no attention from a FedEx or UPS. I think once you cross the $100,000 mark, you begin to start issuing up towards some leverage and then you, you should start flexing and using it. So I, I think that kind of, that's how we see it. Um, any questions on that one? No, that that makes a ton of sense. My next question though, Izzy, is so like, have you, what type of, you know, I, I think when you're thinking about getting set up with a 3PL, one big question is like, am I working with the right person? Like, is, are they the right partner for my product? And are they gonna be able to scale with me as I, I grow? So like, how do you guys think about that? What have you sort of seen from different brands in, in choosing the right, 3PL if they're going to work with them? Like, what are the things that you should be looking out for as a brand when you're looking to work with the 3PL? Sure. Great, great question. So I think from a 3PL perspective, um, I, I think the, the needs constantly change. I think you should look around and kind of, um, there's a famous saying, as a, as a good Jew that I am, there's a famous saying, if you want to know how great a rabbi is, see who's in the waiting room with you. Um, so if it's the common folk, he may not be that great. If there's other rabbis, he may be a great rabbi. So I think it's the same thing with 3PLs. See who to work with. Um, if they have a lot of customers of your site. And by the way, if if you're if you're Joe Schmo e-commerce company and you have 10 orders a week, you probably don't want to be in the same 3PL as Macy's. Probably a very bad idea. Um, for you know, you're not gonna get any attention. So, but if they have a lot of your peers and the, and the folks you aspire to be that are, are you know within you know, quote unquote spinning distance, I think that's that's a very healthy place um, to start. I would always ask for a tremendous amount of references. I would ask them to kind of break out their costs. Are they going to be transparent with you on shipping costs? Is there a set markup? Will they give you access to that? Because many of the 3PLs we've seen, so we typically work more on the carrier sites. I can't say I'm the world's biggest 3PL expert. Um, but with that said, where we've seen lots of issues is where it's just so pay, you're paying shipping, they're giving you a marked up um, kind of rate, you know, rate card and or, or, or of course billing information you have no idea what they paid and you'd be maybe 30 points off and you've seen that so you know i think those are some of the things you, um, you should consider i think um always be like i think in my general kind of thesis always is always be talking to your peers um because again 
the way we got into this industry, we realized this opportunity is by just understanding, hey, you can have company A competes with company B doing the same exact thing or similar volume, similar profile, paying drastically different rates. I, I, I would assume the same thing applies on the 3BL side, at, at least from what we've seen. Um, yeah, so that's at a high level from a, from a 3PL perspective. Um, I think kind of one of the other things we've seen in the e-commerce world specifically is, and this relates to both 3PLs and to kind of interacting directly with a carrier, it is e-commerce companies are, are something that's obviously relatively new to the world. It's probably 25, 30 years old versus typical, you know, mail order business or typical just general B2B business that FedEx UPS are used to. The level of growth e-commerce companies have in a very short period of time um, is ridiculous and it's awesome. And and obviously a lot of people, I'm sure they'll listen to this, have either gone through that or are hoping to go through that. Um, obviously in a healthy way that they maintain margins and sustaining growth. Um, with that being said, from our seat, we kind of will bump into people that have contracts that don't support they supported you six months ago three months ago 18 months ago but your business has grown you have grown up and and that could be either a 3 deal relationship or a direct carrier relationship and i just think like in the e-commerce world that's one of those things we've we've seen we work with obviously many other categories but e-commerce is a big 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 one for us um and we're fortunate to work with just some of the the good ones and yeah we just seen that become a huge issue and and where it's just kind of not not spoken about so my next question is just in terms of like the makeup of the space right because i know there's a whole bunch of different options you can either go the 3pl route you can go with um you know working with your own carrier and there's a whole bunch of different ways to go from your vantage point what do um why don't you just walk us through how a lot of top brands in the space operate right like Who's working with 3PL? Who's going direct? What carriers are they working with? Um, you know, what experiences do certain types of products have with other carriers? Like, just if you give us like the inside scoop on that. Can I, prior to that, can I give you a quick thirty thousand foot view on just yes, but please, and as an entry to that, I think a just to answer your direct question is, what are the best brands doing? Well, I'm gonna give you an answer that everyone's gonna be quite annoyed to hear. Well, it depends. Um, we're big believers, a carriers are your partners in e-commerce. You need your carriers. It, you know, it's kind of this love, hate, funny dynamic because their rates are constantly increasing. They may, may or may not be challenging to deal with. Um, but you kind of need them to deliver your product unless you plan on using the Pony Express. It's just like you, you can't, you, you can't live with them, can't live without. Um, with that being said, it really depends on what you sell and, and what your product mix is. We've seen companies that, you know, where if you you know, do a quick Google review on a particular level of service uh, where for company is a horrible experience. If you're buying, buying, we work in the jewelry industry. If you're buying e-commerce, a six or $7,000 diamond, you're going to expect to get that fairly quickly and probably overnight. And the, a diamond company would, would would be very, you know, not well served if they used a lower tier service or a lower tier carrier. So, you know, those guys are typically priority overnight, you know, you know, today it's it's not going to be ground versus a company that's selling a couch online. Let's talk about that. We we're super heavy in the furniture industry. Um, they're selling a couch online or a bed in the box. Um, you know, we work quite a bit in that space where many times there's a backlog kind of. You know, you're waiting two weeks. Uh, you know, there's a production wait list of two weeks, so your expectations are already two weeks out to wait another four or five, six days for a particular service, and, and you know. 
and that that item coming around kind of doesn't matter. It's not going to change the way you view them as a brand or your interactions. You wait two weeks, you may not, you know, you're probably not going to notice if it's two weeks and two days versus two weeks and one day in all likelihood. So it kind of really depends. I know people hate to hear that answer. Um, and that's why we're a big fan of the custom suit strategy. It's got to be custom for you, for your needs and what your client expectations are. And obviously that's ever evolving, ever changing. Um, yeah, the big grill in the room is Amazon. And obviously as they change and, and kind of evolve, our e-commerce clients are constantly trying to, you know, try to keep up and, and, and leverage their carrier partners, to, you know, to keep up with that. 30,000 foot view kind of before we like dive into the specifics of each carrier is, is if I'm an e-commerce brand, kind of what is a shipping contract? Like kind of what is that piece of paper? What does it give me? Because um, I think that's like a, you know, good thing that, you know, people, have to, you know, we talk to people like, hey, we have the best right. So first of all, anyone who's listening to this, if your name's not Jeff Bezos, you don't. So um, you hate to break it to you. Um, and what is that piece of paper? So that piece of paper gives is a discount off a published rate. And I think that's just important to start high level beer um, because that published rate constantly goes up. So 2023, they call it GRI, general rate increase. Um, the, you know, the average, the transportation rate went up 6.9%. The average surcharge went up double digits. So it, what the contract gives you is a discount off that number. So let's just say you have 50% discount on ground and ground used to be for, these are just random numbers here. They used to be a hundred dollars a package. You get 50% off. And so you're paying $50 for that particular shipment. Again, this is totally rudimentary and not, not grounded in any reality. Um, but if the rate tip in, that was 2022, 2023, it went to 110. You still have a 50% you know, discount. So what we find is people need to be looking at these agreements more often, often than they think, because the rates have got, you know, continuously go and they go up in complex ways. Um, and we can dive into that even further once you kind of, as we dig in, but, um, I think it's just in a high level, what is that piece of paper giving you? It's giving you a discount off a published rate and that published rate is constantly rising. So like. Like people say, hey, I have a great contract. I'm like, yeah, if you last revisited that three years ago, probably not that great anymore because the rate's gone up 30% since, you know, com compounded. So um, that, that's on a high level. When I think about kind of um, kind of, kind of an e-commerce brand, if I was an e-commerce customer, it's kind of one of my shipping, small, medium, large. Um, is it in my small, medium, or large, the kind of the box sizes, USBS is a great option for the really light. So like the best of the best for trying to leverage USBS, heat shell, mail elevations, FedEx Grand Economy, these are lightweight services. They're, they're really good sub one pound. And it's kind of low and slow, low price and slow service. Um, I think kind of those, so when you think of like um, some of the larger apparel brands that you've probably heard of that sell direct to consumer online, larger direct to consumer jewelry brands, many of those you'll find, and you can fact check me on this, look at their websites, when you will get kind of shipping that sub tab, they're, they're utilizing service like that. Um, I think, you know, mid you know, mid size, um, mid you know, typical mid size packages, you know, 10 to 30, 40, you know, 50 pounds, just as well as not super large, you'll see, and it's not a crazy kind of, from a volume perspective, doesn't take up a, a you know, vast amount of space. We always say the best example of that is bounty paper towel or, you know, some cases diapers where it's just a huge box, takes up a ton of space. You're going to get dim, they're not charging you based on weight. Um, so FedEx CBS could be heavily on that. The larger, you know, the larger real, real furniture guys, they haven't built like modular or bed in a box. They're typically using a whole delivery, LTL, um, that's less than truckload. Um, some of the, you know, some of those carriers. One of the things that we haven't spoken about, um, typically for the larger e-com shippers or kind of, we're starting to see more of the mid-size also leverage that is the regional carriers. 
um, laser ship Onshrap. Um, there's there's quite a few um, that's become quite popular to talk about. We've seen people struggle to implement. Many of the larger brands that have leveraged that, especially during COVID, when when kind of demand was at an all time high. Um, so, so that's kind of a high level. Like so, kind of when you think about your typical e-commerce company, like the the obvious names come up. Like as kind of who that landscape is: FedEx, UPS, USPS, DHL, and then the larger they get. Or if they're regionally focused, you'll see those regionals pop. Uh, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about the regionals too. It's like, what role do they play in the ecosystem, right? Like what scale do you need to be at if you happen to sell really well in a certain area? Is that something you look to tap into? Uh, is there a, like, what advantages would they have versus, um, you know, disadvantages? Is there, is there any, like, what what's the reason that you you would use like a more regional carrier. Are you getting better rates? Are you getting better terms? Like what, how do you think about it? Yeah. So, so it, it the answer is it's complicated. <laughs> so I, I, we've kind of seen people really kind of make some strategic errors in approaching that. I, I think if you're a sub of five, $10 million shipper, unless you're constrained in a particular region, it gets really challenging, challenging to leverage on the regionals. Um, because FedEx based contracts are built based on tiers, based on the volume you give them. So we've seen people that leverage, hey, we'll get this price here, this price there, um, cheaper here, cheaper there. And then they kind of kind of work their way out of their tiers and they ultimately end up losing kind of on the macro they lose and, and, and many of their arrangements, they don't meet their minimum commitments and it ends up really not working for them. Uh, you average, I would say from a typical growing e-commerce brand, we haven't seen, you know, sub 5 million. We haven't seen that many people jumping on that bandwagon. Uh, the larger brands we work, in, work with rather, they spend 20 plus million bucks a year we're seeing a lot of those guys try to, you know, post-COVID diversify the carrier base. It's a funky time to do that now just because the economy's contracting. Like 2023 is going to be a fun year if you're a shipper. If, if you're an e-commerce, you know, brand and you're listening to this now, whether with me, somebody else, yourself, go and negotiate your contract. It's a great time. You have a leverage. We haven't had it for two years. Um, so I think kind of for, for your average probably cylinders listening to this, you know, sub 10 million bucks, five, 10 million bucks. I don't know how much value they would get out of that conversation. Um, you know, I think kind of, you know, we're seeing a lot of rumblings and I think it is a concern. I don't know how long it will remain a concern. You know, UBS is going through labor negotiations now. Um, you know, that's, that's coming up. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be an absolute wrap for UBS, um, you know, because they're a unionized company. So that's again, kind of, we see, we've been getting calls saying, hey, should we consider some regional options? FedEx has put in March 31st cutoff. I don't know when this will be released, if that's before or after. Um, if it's after, you missed it, sorry. Um, you know, if they're going to be onboarding new volume, they're absolutely using this as a marketing tactic. Um, but but yeah, so I think the regionals have their place in the market. Um, if you're a California-based e-commerce company that's selling a product within California, um, or, go, yeah, definitely go use the regional. I think at a high level, what the regionals have done for the e-commerce brands that we work with, it gives them optionality. It gives kind of it takes it from a duopoly, which it kind of is. FedEx, UPS are the majors. It kind of gives you you know robust options that you know and a compelling story and narrative to to get a reduced rate. So, um, I think it's a very good thing, and we absolutely root for their success when when we're able to we we route our clients down that road, you know, as often as we humanly can at what it's good for them. Got it. Um, one question that I just wanted to kind of go over in regards to shipping in general. And then I want to talk about like how we can kind of get the best rates and what the best practices there are. But, you know, what, what are, what's standard pricing for shipping, right? Like kind of like we we're talking before, 
we know that shipping costs are a major um, input cost, but like, let's go through different types of products and what should we expect to be paying to ship various types of products, um, you know, at the different scales of your business, right? So let's talk about maybe some different categories. Like hey, you're talking about. Maybe my head, All right. Friend. All right. <laughs> so I'll tell you like this, you're, and your audience is like, I love this, but this is the reality. The reason and the niche that we play in is the answer is there's absolutely no standardized answer to that question. So you can have two customers that ship iPads and sell them online. One, one A, depends on the service they need. So that throws you for a loop is if you have a, you require one day transit, obviously you're gonna pay a lot more than someone who requires you know, lower transit time than that. Um, B, someone can, that's A. B is depends on your volume. If you spend $100,000 a year with a FedEx EBS versus 5 million, you're gonna get a drastically different rate. But C, maybe not. Because if you did you know a horrible job negotiating your contract, you may, you may be paying $14 a package when your competitor is paying eight. Um, and when that compounds over a year, that, that becomes a major problem slash opportunity. So that is kind of when, we call it the bottle of milk scenario kind of that we kind of mentioned earlier on the pod is you go to start buy a bottle of milk. There is absolutely, I can show you direct competitors below your mind. I can't show you because we're under NDA, but below your mind can be in the same space. Uh, the, one of the more recent ones that comes to us and also I think more importantly than that, utilizing the wrong carrier for the wrong product. So we had a client of ours that ships a very lightweight product. They belong with ADHL and they're they kind of, they're, they were shipping, I believe they were with FedEx. Um, and there was nothing wrong. DHL just has a very competitive e-commerce product, but they were about three bucks off a package from where they could, could and should be. So they didn't, did not understand the right carry, right place, right time. They were just leveraging the wrong partner. That's just easy example of there. Um, then you can have two FedEx shippers, bullish shipping, home delivery, or very residential e-commerce shippers. You know, one, their, you know, one, their average package is 10 bucks. The other one's 1350 and kind of that's a, from a percentage perspective, like difference, that's huge, like absolutely like huge. Um, so I think kind of, you asked the question that just, you know, not plugging what we, we do and plugging why it's so important to focus on it. Talk to your peers. You'd be surprised. And we, I marvel because we do business with a lot of people that, that compete with each other. Um, and I marvel by the, the folks that focus on it, we can help them less because they have better agreements. The folks that don't or don't even know where to start, they're really, really lost and they're at a competitive disadvantage. And let's just talk about it on the flip side because it's really spoken about. When you talk about your cost per acquisition, this is like, you know, tech front special, like you'll see that, you know, if sales cost per acquisition is 12 bucks and the other, you know, if the direct competitor is seven, you know, they're at a major disadvantage. It, there's no difference when you're shipping, zero. Absolutely, Sarah. Someone tells you otherwise, they just don't understand it. So, um, you know, I think at a high level, I know you asked me a question. You're probably looking for, hey, is he telling me it's $8 and 50 cents? And I can't do that for you because that, 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 that there lies the opportunity. Of course, of course. Um, so let's go to the next part, part, which is more on the negotiation side, right? Like, what, how do you do it? How do you approach it? Um, what should you be thinking about as a brand? How can you get the best rate and make sure? You're giving yourself, you're ensuring you're not only getting the best rate, but you're also, um, you know, lock, not locking yourself into anything crazy uh, as well. Sure. So I think kind of my step one is know who you are and know what your benefit is. So 
I think like step one is kind of know your product mix. So like at a high level, one of the things we always think about is, um, and, and this is like some statistics that will probably shock you, is FedEx loves large packages. They love larger, bulkier items. They built their network. They've designed more around that. So typically these are pretty close to, as one point they were accurate. So I may be off just this quarter or this, this year, but FedEx is large package network is about 12% of their network is large and bulky as UPS is closer to three, 4%. So one, one of those carriers actually focuses on that. The other one actually despises it. One of them, it's a moneymaker because the way they built their network and they designed their, their warehouse flow. The other one is actually a royal pain in the neck. So it's just kind of know your, know who you are, understand your profile and understand then next is know your carrier, know what they appreciate, know what, and if anyone has that question, email me, I'll tell you, just tell me what you, you ship, you, what, what you sell, I'll respond who you should talk to. Um, because one is not better than the other, depending on the region, you may get better service. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, and that changes constantly quarter by quarter, but depending on what you sell, you know, one carrier really may be a better fit. For you. So know what, who you are. Also, if you're a mid-sized e-commerce shipper, I assume that maybe a fair amount of your audience that they're not super large, not super small either. You are precious to FedEx and BS. They, you know, people think off oh, only I was Macy's. If only I was X and I don't mean specifically Macy's, I'm not picking on you, but, um, if only I was X, the mid-size is what they love because FedEx, you know, FedEx UPS, the, the, the folks that spend a hundred million dollars plus with them, they have economies of scale. They have insane leverage and they're paying a drastically different price than the only benefit they have for FedEx is the pickup cost. And that, that's really not a whole bunch, you know, large part of the, the actual shipping cost. So once you get past that, you, if you're a mid-sized shipper, your starting point is at a higher rate than them. They love you. They want to talk to you and they want your business. And that both of them, you can fact check me on this. They're touting the growing their SMB mid, mid cap and that's the sub 5 million. So if you, if you fit that criteria, you have value. So that's a know who you are, know, know your benefits, know your carrier. I think moving on from that is. Understand who you're negotiating against. Your rep may take you out for lunch. He may take you to a bowl game. Um, he may rent the suite for you. He gets comped on your margin. Understand that. Understand that so clearly. We see folks make that mistake. I am super tight with my rep. I'm sure you are. I'm sure he's helped you out with quite a few pickles. And they're here that, you know, they're there that add value. But at the same time, they make money. The more you spend, the more they make. So we always tell folks, you know, understand that when you're going to negotiation. And also understand is that. Their your, their job is to lead us on between you and the pricing team, you know, kind of, and and the sales leadership there, and you're not just negotiating against them. So we typically sit down with folks and you know, kind of take a real hard look at kind of what they're doing, what they're not doing, and they're like, hey, you know, I'm definitely sharper than my rep, and they don't understand that these are publicly held companies that do, you know, their market caps are hundreds of billions of dollars, whatever they are today. They have they they have teams assigned, not people, teams assigned to figure out how to to kind of get the most margin possible out of you. Um, and you need to go into that negotiation prepared. And then, so aside from knowing your benefits, knowing your carrier, know who you're up against, understand your data, understand it, go. It, this doesn't take, you don't need a firm like me to do this, this just 80, 20, where do I spend my money? Talk to your peers. Does it sound like it's in line? Does it not sound? Just measure your data. Also, look, so that's kind of understand your data initially. Understand that you as the contract that impacted. If there's something that's not in your contract that needs to be your contract, make sure it gets in there. If you don't have a discount on surcharge you're getting hit with, you need to have that. Maybe it's mission critical to have it. So that's kind of at a high level. We is understand your data, you go unprepared, know who you're up against. Rule one, 
kind of going to like recalibrate rule one of a negotiation is expect no. And they're going to tell you no, because you're not going to, you're not changing your business. You're asking them for something for nothing in return. You, you can kind of say, Hey, we're going to switch to FedEx, we're going to switch to UPS, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately you're giving them nothing in return. Expect no. FedEx UPS sales training. They typically say no seven times before they say yes. No can be, Hey, we're during peak season. This is not a good time to negotiation, AKA no. They just said no to you. you. You can expect a variation that seven or eight times before you get a yes. So that's rule one. Rule two, remember how your rep makes money. Rule three, these contracts are complicated. They're typically 12, 13, 14 pages. Make them explain to you in English and just plain simple. A plus B equals C. Just one, two, three. Just two plus two equals four. If you can't understand that, don't sign it. Then it doesn't work. Um, rule number four, and we love this one, is every last bit of that contract is negotiable. There's no such a thing as there's something that's not. There, obviously, to every rule, there are exceptions, and there are exceptions at each level of spend, but everything's negotiable. Ask, 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 and you shall receive. Rule number one. So, kind of, that's how we look kind of just high level at a negotiation. What I kind of, and going into this pod, Blade, and again, so grateful for, any, for you, for having me, and for anyone who's still listening, um, is kind of, I kind of put together 10 or 11 nuggets of like kind of if I was the e-commerce shipper, what's practical takeaways I can take away from this conversation. Um, one. Yeah. Just, so, like, so is, yeah, no, yeah, is totally, that, that part's really, no, no, that part's really helpful. And what I'd kind of love to just chat through is what those, yeah, like what the, what those nuggets are, I guess, in terms of if you want to give practical advice that are like really memorable that people can just take away and start applying to their process of, uh, you know, when they're uh, going through their negotiations themselves, what are some of those nuggets? What are some of those things that they should remember always to do in a, in a really kind of simple way? Sure. And I will do my best to get that and get it perfectly for everybody here. So first of all, a high level, one other quick point, and I'm ADHD times 10. So if something's a little out of, out of order, I apologize, but FedEx just love meetings. They love bringing you lunch. Your job, or most people are looking to improve their EBITDA, save money, and kind of and achieve cost savings, and 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 ship more efficiently. Don't waste your time with you know with the sales, you know, just blah 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 powerpoints. Stay focused, stay 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 on mission, and, and get it done. So that's just another high level point. But kind of let's go through some nuggets and some tricks and and kind of I would call more insider things that people don't necessarily talk about all the time it is. If you're a lightweight shipper, you're listening to this, you sell socks online, you sell lightweight jewelry, you're just starting out, you're an Etsy seller. That's what you're doing. If you sell lightweight, you may have the best discounts in the world. You're going to run up against something called the minimum charge. And on your contract, you're going to see something called a minimum charge reduction. And if it doesn't say a discount next to it, boy, are you in trouble. Because FedEx CBS, you can have 90% discount, but they have a minimum charge per package that you will always bump up against. And the time you will bump into that is if you're selling a lightweight product. So if you have a lightweight product and you keep bumping up and you're, and, and the easy way to identify minimums is your problem, is your issue, take your shipping data, download it, you know, kind of format your Excel sheet. And if you see that you keep hitting up in today's day, the minimum on ground is $10.10 this year. If you keep hitting that number, you, you got a, a problem slash opportunity. Go get them, get, ask for a discount off that number. And it varies based on your volume. Typically it's given, you can sometimes give it as a percentage. Most times it's given as a dollar, you know, you know, 50 cents, dollar, dollar 25, two bucks, two fifty three, just depending on volume. Um, if you sell so that's kind of, if you sell lightweight, stop right there, pause, go check your contract, check your data, 
you will find value in that if you haven't done so yet. Um, if you spend a lot of money there, you should re kind of raise it to the ceiling because you deserve a discount there. If they're not giving it to you, go crazy. Um, two, large and bulky. If you sell large and bulky items um, and you don't have a kind of a dimensional divisor in your contract or you're paying it to publish level 139, you got a problem. You got to move that up. So that's length times width times height. Um, if you, they charge that by a volume basis, you can get a, it's called a divisor. The higher that number is, the better off you are. That's just an eerie to look at. If you're paying 139, you have a problem. Go ask for an increased dim. Stop what you're doing now. If you ship larger bulk, if you sell furniture, bikes online, that's what you need to be doing. Um, three. When you hear about a rate, rate increase, first of all, they announce it in advance. They typically announce it three, four months before they roll it out. Go ask your rep, how is that going to impact me in dollars? Not estimates, guesstimates. How is it going to impact me? And just know this past year, they announced a 6.9% increase that did not include surcharges. So if you're a large and bulkier shipper, like you sell the couches online, probably 30% of your shipping costs have surcharges. The average surcharge will have double digits. Your cost went up a lot more than six point nine percent. Get on it. Be proactive. Go for it. And if you you know just there's simple ways. We have a free checklist of someone needs help. That's just easy. Go. There's a lot of information online. You can find it. Um, also understand surcharges expand. Not only do they go up. So delivery you know extended delivery areas surcharges a surcharge. If you ship to rural areas, so some of the you know the other e-commerce brands that probably it, you know that don't typically focus on their urban area. They've expanded the zip codes, the zip codes that are included in extended delivery or surcharge. So not only did the costs go up, the the amount of households that are you know now eligible to receive that surcharge has gone up also. How you're at? How has that changed? And the, kind of and they've changed the rule on what gets and that's across the board, large and bulky. They've kind of shifted that what's considered oversized, peak oversized. There's just eighty twenty. Go find the top surcharges you're spending money on. Everything's negotiable. Do not, if you're spending, you just ask, 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 push for it. The other would, um, let our shippers fail. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. On the surcharges note. So what, um, you know, what, what are some of those really common surcharges? Are there any surcharges that you see that are like, that are really easy to kind of get out of, or that you see being applied to a certain type of brand? Like what are like, no one likes surcharges. So like, what are they? And yeah. Yeah. So. It's interesting, yeah, and something FedEx EPS grapple with. And by the way, I totally understand their perspective on it because shipping's complicated. They have increased in costs. I'll give you an example. Like if you sell, we work with some high-end luxury brands that sell high-end luxury items online, average order value of $5,000 plus. They're not delivering an item without a signature. Signatures is actually really annoying and it's a cost for the carrier because if they, they many times have to re-deliver that item. So we, we get it. Like as through what we do, totally understand the surcharge. But every single surcharge, if you spend enough money in it, they will give you a discount. Common for this pod, probably many of your clients, many of the listeners, um, ship to residences. Residential, residential surcharge, you're going to see that all the time. Ask for a discount. You deserve it. Go get it. Uh, you know, that's, it's, it's common. And, and, and the gift, you, you, you should definitely go for it. Um, I think kind of my next point kind of is tied to this. Um, you'll, so FedEx and EBS contracts are typically what's known as evergreen. They can extend for years and years and years. We'll many times see expirations on surcharges um, in those contracts. It's very, very common. 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. And if you don't renew it or go back, you'll just lose those 
excuse me, you lose those discounts completely. And many shippers that don't focus on that, they may have expired a year, two or three years ago, and they're just paying publish on something they think they have a discount on. And these these eras are complex. We get it. That's what we do. It. It's it's super complex. And if you don't have the software to kind of dig in, it's just it's just hard to see. So that's something I would I would say, um, you, you know, really really um, look at. The next one, I think everyone in this pod, I assume, is looking to grow their business. Do not make the mistake I'm about to say, because we've seen people do this time and time and time again. Many folks think the best way to get a great price from FedEx and EPS is to mislead them on the volume you're going to give them and say, oh, we're going to be a $10 million shipper, give us amazing $10 million rates. FedEx and EPS have been around the block a lot longer than most of us. And they've, they have they know that game and they know it really, really well. Be honest with your volume. And because if not, they're going to build tiers. The contract's based on tiers. Your discounts are based on tiers. They're going to give you tiers that don't make sense. You're never going to be able to hit them. And you're going to look like a bad customer, bad partner. And it just will knock the wind out of your next round of negotiation. And you'll, you'll likely pay more, not less. So that's just a common mistake. We'll see people will ask them, hey, we're looking at your agreement. Your tiers make no sense. They're like, oh, yeah, we promised them the moon. And they really land back on Earth really, really fast. So um, it's, it's really not great. Next thing is fuel. Fuel is derived as the cost of fuel and the tack on as percentage. FedEx and EPS do you, um, DHL does it differently, but the primary carrier of FedEx and EPS derive fuel as a percentage of your overall transportation costs. You reduce your transportation costs, increase your discounts, your fuel cost will, will go down line. A lot like that. Oh, did I hit time? Oh, no, no, you're good. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so perfect. So th that's kind of on the fuel. Payment terms. We've seen customers that some people have net seven, 14, ask for terms. You'll get, you know, again, ask that you shall receive. We've seen some customers with very strict payment terms, some customers with, with you know, and, and in e-commerce, we're always chasing cash flow. We, we know the game. We you know, just kind of, you have cost of inventory, cost of everything, overhead, yada, 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 try to get payment terms. Um, ask for it. The next kind of little nugget is your GRI is one second on in terms of payment terms what does that typically look like when um you know what are your levers there to pull uh you know how much they want up front how much they like we just give us a a little bit of the land sure of the payment terms of the shippers yeah no so you, it's not upfront versus not upfront it's, it's just more some folks you have be required to pay your invoice with the seven days some 14 we've seen recently as high as 29 i haven't seen that many like there's a legacy shippers that have lower payment terms than that but We've seen folks with seven that you can easily get 14. It's not a cost savings. It's just kind of maybe, I mean, depending on how you run your cash flow, you know, kind of, you know, if, if there's a cost of borrowing, if, you, if you're as a leverage. But um, I think that's just a, just an easy area to give you peace of mind as you transact with. And it, for most businesses, it's a pretty large cost. Um, it's a large cost of doing business, especially during peak. There's no reason if you can get, you know, a couple, seven days, just, just ask. Just see what you can get. Um, next thing is, that GRI, we, we touched on, we, we kind of dove it, a general rate increase. Get ahead of it. We always see shippers calling us, like the last two, three months has been busy nonstop because shippers do not get ahead of their general rate increase. They wait until they're actually seeing the new charges on their invoice and they're saying, holy cow, we have a problem. And, you know, great business opportunity for us to come and save the day, but totally preventable. A, look at it yourself. B, call somebody who knows what they're doing, but just understand how it's going to impact you in advance because common like if you're in the right of logistics you, or even if you're a founder of an e-commerce company 
and you're looking at your director logistics and you're saying, hey, I don't get it. We're shipping similar volumes the last year, of course, off 15%. Get it. You just took a rate increase. You didn't do anything about it. Simple. So do something about it. That's, you know, um, next thing, termination language. Some contracts have termination language in it. Don't be scared by them. Don't, meaning, obviously, understand, talk to your lawyer. This is not the, this is not legal advice. Um, but understand what your penalty may or may not be. And just know that most times the carrier wants to build a great relationship with you. Um, and, and just understand it. Happy if someone has a question on that, what that looks like, it kind of, they're exploring another option. Understand it because sometimes it's a percentage of your volume that has to stay with them. Sometimes you may even be out of the period or the cost of switching may be 1%. It may be very well worth it. We're not fans of switching for the sake of switching. We're fans of every e-commerce company, especially if we've all learned this during COVID, have optionality, have it, have it, have it. Don't give it up so quickly because you may really, really need it. I, you know, I think forward-looking UPS strike may or may not happen. Having optionality is awesome and, and have that backup plan. Last but not least, and so importantly, we see so many, so many of the smartest e-commerce guys we know and have built huge successful brands and let their agreements collect dust. These are, are you're taking, the carriers are very comfortable increasing your rates at least once a year. At least some, you know, many times you'll see sections increase biannually. Um, and they're very comfortable expanding when what is considered peak, how is it calculated, and just increasing your fees. Don't let your agreement collect dust. It's just, it, 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 that's like step one, half the battle is go pull it out, find it. And I'll say like, we joke about it. We talk to companies that spend five, $10 million a year. Um, they have no idea where their agreements are. They don't even understand what they look like. And it hasn't been touched. And we always, I hope my always snarky New York answer is, Okay, so when you pay taxes, like you don't have an account to look at that like every year before, or just if the IRS sends you a bill, you're like, all right, we're just like, we're not looking at that. We're not validating it. You know, we're just, we're just, and we're not making sure it's accurate and understanding, okay, what tax bracket we're in, yada, yada, you know, where could we be? And and if you're an e-commerce brand that you started five years ago, then you were spending 250,000, now you're spending 3 million. Um, your contracts, your business has matured, your contract may not have matured with you. And, and even kind of full circle blame kind of, if you, even if you're in a 3PL relationship, a 3PL partner A may not be the right partner for you. You may be your your peer group may have changed. You may have outgrown it. Um, B your carrier may or may not be the right you know carrier for you anymore. Your product mix may have changed, or, or kind of your the regions you ship to may have changed. Um, so I think all those things are super 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 important. But I think it's just step one. Know this concept exists. Um, knowing how critical it is, I think it's just like, hey, we we lower our cost per acquisition, and then shipping could kind of creep up on you and you could have it, uh, you know, an increase in orders, but if your margins are lower than that, like it's just not a fun day, you know, at the office. So if, and obviously if there's any way, anyone, anyone has any questions, just big fan, happy to help anyone in the pod. Um, boy, I think you'll put my email in and just email me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and definitely. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. It's like, you have so much knowledge about the whole like chipping and fulfillment side of brands. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of what we cover on the pod it's a lot of stuff about brand building, operating, marketing, but like this is one of those things that's just so important that people don't really realize a lot of times when they get into e-commerce. One of it's like the name of the game. It's like, can you build a good product and can you build a good supply chain and be able to fulfill it with the right input costs to get your product delivered? Right. Like that's what it comes down to when you're succeeding you, in this business. So you hit the nail. What was that? Yeah. You hit a right so away. I think this is the afterthought as it's the not cool part of the business that's just boring, um, but just as important. 
but it's yeah and it, it not not even the fact that it's boring it's just so 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 important for brands to get right because of course you have to build a great product and of course it has to be something that pr wants to talk about and has all the bells and whistles and is is really cool but at the end of the day if you don't have your shipping optimized every product you're getting online you're shipping right like that's an input cost to it just like you pay for all your other costs to source it to market it everything so um and when you're able to really know what you're doing you're like at scale this this these are numbers that really become exponential so um i just encourage like anyone who has questions about this side of things when they're setting up their business to be able to get in touch with you what's the best way do you have an email um are you on linkedin yeah it's the best way where can our listeners find you lead get email email's the best i love cool. my email um shout it shout it out IPC. shout it out izzy at ship lion as in the animal ship l-i-o-n.com so izzy izzy um and even if you have any questions, I, we're, we're not, I always say we're not a great, we're not a good fit for, for the folks we're a good fit for, we're a great fit for. Uh, for other folks, I'm happy to help. If you're not at scale yet, you have a question, anything you need, if, if I can't answer, I have it introduced you to someone that can. Um, I think one of the cool things we've been, we've been obviously also maturing our capabilities a lot with the great customers we work with. We started with some companies. One of our best stories is a co company we started with, they were spending, I think, about $20,000 a week when they started working with us four years ago, e-commerce brand, and now they spend about $400,000 a week. And that's like, we obviously we're growing out, you know, on that level, we'll grow with them, but I think kind of needs change. We may not be a good fit early innings or we may be a great fit, but I'm happy to help and happy to direct someone or if they just want an introduction to the right person. Um, and you know, I think what you do with the pod is awesome. And uh, I'm so grateful to be a part and uh, grateful for anyone that took the lesson. Sweet. Well, Izzy, thanks again for coming on. We learned a ton um, and can't wait to keep in touch. Maybe we'll have to do a like some breakdown episodes in the future, break down some brands, where they're messing up, what they did right. So um, thanks for coming on. Yeah, by the way, we have some good ones. Yeah, I can show you some. Uh, we, we have some good, dirty ones in the ear, you know. So, uh, but yeah, I really appreciate it. And thank you. And, and thank you to, to, to listening. I, I you know, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode.